Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Warriors All Ages 2 podcast. I like to get this guy on a couple times a year to kind of maybe dive a little bit bigger picture on the Warriors. Um, we can get Nate Duncan is who I'm speaking with. It, Hello. It's okay. You don't have to introduce me. It's in the title. Yes, you're right. Um, we can talk magic game, but I do kind of want to get more like overarching thoughts on the 20 and 20 Warriors sitting in a crowded chunk of the Western Conference where basically they're like a game out of fourth and a game from like 12th essentially at this point. Um, what we both watched this game. They lose to the Magic at home, by the way. 115-101. You know, they were pretty much outplayed the whole game. They have now, you know, they start the home stand 5-0. They're 0-2 since. Losses to Pistons, Orlando, who they also lost to on the road. They're 0-4 against two of the worst teams in the East. So generally, it's like a it's a very poor night for them. But they're 20-20. They're getting stepped back soon. You saw Wiggins back tonight. Like, it's not trending in a horrible direction for them, but this was a bad night. No, it definitely was, and obviously, I, I think Clay going out in such a weird way, which I, I can't remember the last time a player was introduced in the starting lineup and then just wasn't on the floor, and the PA announcer was like, oh, I, yeah, I guess uh, Dante DiVincenzo is starting he, for him. He, did it, he tried to do it in like a hype way. He's like, and starting for your Warriors is actually Dante DiVincenzo. It's like, well, yeah, that's fine, but you know, where'd Clay Thompson go? Apparently, you know, the left knee popped up sore. The one, like, it was sore on the ro- road trip that they recently had on it. I remember he was questionable for the Philly game. I remember going to shoot around in Philadelphia. He has it taped while he's shooting and kind of testing it. He has a bad night against the Sixers, and Kerr in his post game mentions it. Like, part of it was like he's gutting through some knee, you know, soreness. It just kind of sounds like part of the Clay Thompson experience at this point. There are just going to be nights where the body doesn't feel as good. Tonight, they pulled the plug on him. Very late, as you mentioned, at a very surprising time. But they're saying it's precautionary. He actually came out in street clothes and watched the game. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little bit more cautionary, though, and endemic of how, or emblematic, I should say, of how hard this team has had to work to even be at 500. They start the season with that miserable bench. They're 3-7. and seven. They're fighting back. They've got to play Draymond on the second unit. Steph is playing a ton. Draymond is playing a ton. Jordan Poole is, like, looking pretty exhausted right now as well. He is way too big of a burden. And Clay, you know, I think the least number of minutes that he played in the last five games that he played on this homestand was 34. And he's, like, 37 or over. I think every other game he did take that Utah back-to-back off. but And he was playing extremely well. But I think the fact that he comes out after two days off and still isn't able to get that knee loose tonight is yeah, it's a little concerning but they're hopefully getting enough guys back who can play but you've made this point many times that they were essentially working with three dead roster spots between Baldwin who's given them a little bit lately but Rollins Iguodala and then you know Wiseman has basically been unplayable no 15. most yeah most of the season no 15 yeah so that's the four dead ones and then you got Moses Moody. They don't feel like they can trust as well. Even Kaminga has been kind of in and out. So they just they've had to ride the available players really hard, and then particularly now in the absence of stuff. Yeah, you know, I wrote about Wiggins tonight, and they have really missed him. I mean, that's not breaking news, but I think it's it's easy to forget. But he was playing so well before he went out. He was the the game he left. His last game, December 3rd, against Houston, 36 points in 34 minutes, hits eight threes that night. 
Um, he that pushed him to forty five percent from three. The, that was their first road win of the season, right? No, 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 that, they, oh, that they, was here. That was yeah. Here. He actually okay. had a huge night in Houston too, but this was a home win over the Rockets. Blood. He hits eight threes. I think Steph had eight. Also, I think they became yeah. the first teammates. Warriors teammates ever to both hit eight threes in a game, which surprised Steph. I remember post game, he's like, "I've never done that with Clay." Yeah. But the point is, I mean, he was he was averaging nineteen a game on fifty one percent shooting, forty five percent from three. He's become just a straight up elite wing defender. Um, and you know, when we talk about Pool being ex- exhausted, part of that is Steph being out, but part of that's also Wiggins being out. Right, he's the secondary creator, late in clock bailout, mid range jump shooter, can go to the rim at times, and it's just like he is either their second best player or their third best player, depending on your opinion of Draymond Green. But regardless, he's a top three player on a contender. And he'd been so missed lately, and then he comes back tonight, and it's like, okay, you're getting Andrew Wiggins back against the Magic. Like, that's a huge deal. But you saw tonight, he was so out of rhythm. He only plays 19 minutes. He only plays four minutes to start the game. You go and watch some of his defensive tape. He's just losing Banchero because he's like, you could tell his brain wasn't as in it. Um, he, he lost the ball a few times to start the second quarter. You hear him post game. He's congested. He's been sick for like a week and a half. He's over it. But, you know, as he's trying to ramp up from an adductor strain, he's like, it, which was a difficult injury, an injury he's never had to deal with come, to come back from. He suddenly now is battling his respiratory system. And it's like, you could just tell he, he, he may take a little while. And, and it, it, the Wiggins they got early in the season, it might be a little bit till they get him back. No, I, I think that was all obvious. You know, he's. He, Franz Wagner has beaten him off the dribble, and I don't think he's had as good of an individual defensive season this year either as as he did last year. But yeah, and then they're trying to work in Iguodala as well, which was, was kind of odd. Um, you know, he, he's another guy who doesn't shoot the ball, so you you just had more time today when you had two non shooters, and then usually they can get away with that because they got two of the three most of the time of Clay, Steph, and Poole on the floor, but without that. You know, they really just couldn't get any kind of penetration. They were not guarding those guys, and there's no way to make them pay by swinging the ball to the other side, quick screen for someone, hand off, get open three for a great shooter. They didn't have that option. They're just having to jack up threes late in the clock. They're re- relying on Anthony Lamb to, you know, score 17 points in the first half or whatever it was. So it was definitely it was a 22 struggle. in the first half for Anthony Lamb. 20, yeah, he had that in the first half? Yeah, he had 22 in the first half. Wow, okay. <laughs> two, two, there are teams that won't get 22 from a 2A player all year. And he had 22 in the first half. Yeah. Which is, it speaks to, wow, you know, they hit on the 2A, but also like, eh, kind of need that from the 2A tonight. No, I mean, I, I probably would have never been more wrong about a Warriors thing than I, when I was like, what the hell is Kerr doing? Like, playing this guy? Like, is this some message? It's like, no, he actually is better than, like, a lot of these dudes that, that could be out there. Um so, yeah, I, I, tonight I just – every time you think these guys are, like, about to kind of turn a corner or start playing Warriors basketball again, uh, but, you know, with Steph potentially coming back this week, he, you know, he's at least high-fiving people with the left hand. He looks okay. Like, maybe now that's oh, yeah, finally going to happen. He did full live practice. Like, he's, yeah. you know, theoretically could have played tonight, right? If this was, like, playoff game five of a big series, like Steph Curry's on the floor tonight. So, and he's just – he's like I said, full live contact. He's he, – Next Friday, I would presume. But um, they, you mentioned them not having Steph and Clay tonight. They still shot 58 threes, which 
would have been a franchise record had they not shot 59 threes recently. So during the stretch that Steph Curry's at, they've, they've shot the two games with the most threes ever in their history. Tonight, I thought it was a problem. I thought it was just like they couldn't get inside. Poole was not beating guys off the dribble. And honestly, we should have a segment about Poole and just how he's played. Yeah. Um, and they just started chucking from, from three. And they were making early, but, you know, for them to shoot 58 threes in regulation against an Orlando team, only score 101 points, can't get inside – it was an offensive issue tonight. Yeah, it was. I mean, I thought even more so it was a defensive loss, uh, personally, uh, against not a not-great offensive team. But, yeah, I mean, and you could see they had 15 turnovers through the competitive portion of the game, really, through three quarters. And a lot of those were the Magic adjusting later on in the game to take away threes. Like, it, I know they got up 53, but 15 of the first 17 shot attempts were threes and those were actually like some of those are pretty open lamb makes his first four uh, and then he ends up uh, i think he only hit one the rest of the night but then guys started driving and the magic are like okay you know we're not worried about you finishing at the rim over like wendell carter or mo wagner like all right you're gonna throw it to the weak side for another three all right we're just gonna steal that pass right markel Fultz had six deals terrence ross is like getting deflections out there like and and that added into it the fact that not only did the warriors had this issue of reintegrating Iguodala, reintegrating Wiggins. You know, Iguodala has never played with a lot of these. He's never played with Anthony Lamb or DiVincenzo or any of these guys. And then you also have the fact that they have less, like, really dangerous shooters out there than they normally would that the defense is, is that worried about. And you could see they're completely out of sync offensively tonight. So let's talk Poole. Um, yeah. You know, he's – this is – this type of stretch is, is part of the reason they paid him, which is like Steph Curry goes out, you know, usually once a season Steph Curry gets some type of injury that is somewhat extended of an absence. This ends up being whatever. It's going to be three, four-week absence. Um, and they're now 6-5 and five since the, 11 games without Steph, 6-5. and five. You'd take that at the beginning of it. Uh, and a lot of those wins, very pool. Centric, 43 points in Toronto. He had Christmas. He has 32 points in the first three quarters before he gets ejected against Memphis. Like, they don't win that game without him. There's a few others that we could point to over this stretch. Like, they do not win if Jordan Poole doesn't have the type of scoring nights that he does have. But, as has been talked about plenty, I think he now leads the NBA in turnovers. Um, his his turnovers per game during the stretch are just enormous. His clutch turnovers where it's just dribbling the ball out of bounds. He's trying to spin move, and he's, like, moving too quick for himself, and he just flubs it away. Um, and then the three-point shooting, he's down to, like, you know, near 30% from three. And we're talking about a guy I think he was 36% last year. When Steph had the extended absence with the foot sprain at the end of last season, he was, like, 40-something percent from three, like 85 threes in March and April. So his accuracy from deep is just not where it has been. Um you mentioned the exhaustion you've seen from him. Just what are your just overarching thoughts on Jordan Poole right now? Yeah, I think so, some of it has been you know disappointment. Some of it has been that he's just being asked to do too much on this team. I mean, remember, recall that a lot of those games last year were against kind of tanking teams, and they you know they win what five six in a row down the stretch. You know, games that weren't even particularly competitive against, like, a San Antonio that, like, didn't even play their guys. You know, so the end of the season is just easier. Um, but, you know, he even was 
very good offensively in the playoffs in a way I don't think he has been. So, yeah, he hasn't been shooting the ball. Even his free throws have not been. What is he now? From, you're, uh, you got his stats up. What is he on free throws? Because this guy won the free throw title last year. Yeah, so he's, he's 86%. It's still very good. Uh, but, yeah, it was 92 and a half last year. And you, you do hear a lot of ooze from the crowd when he misses because they, they don't expect him to miss. But, uh, so, I, I mean, a lot of it, like, this guy's 31% usage. You know, and so, and I think it's worth noting that the way he was able to be successful last year was playing off of Draymond, kind of playing that Steph role, but also playing with Clay, who was going well at the end of, of last year. And they tried him at point guard this year. That really felt like he's actually been much better since you know that first month of the season when he was trying to play on the second unit with wise bad lineup combinations too. Yeah. Like they they delivered him some pretty bad lineup combinations. Yeah, but, I mean, the thought was, hey, maybe this guy is ready for this. Maybe he can't. You know, there are plenty of high-scoring guards who lead second units by playing pick-and-roll with a, a big dunking center, and you get a few shooters around him. And he's, he's not capable of doing that. So I think, you know, his handle is creative, but it's not that tight. I mean, he loses the ball. He gets off balance. Like, he thinks of really interesting stuff to do i also think like the whole carrying thing kind of got in his head a little yeah, bit although they've kind of they've kind of calmed down on that a little bit but he was he was the guy who uh, he and jar basically the guys in the league who pushed that the most um you know there's a thought he was going to take more mid-rangers this year part of his problem too is that he has this low release on his shot so you can't really shoot over guys he has to get so much separation and if he is a little bit tired if he's not quite the same athletically as he was, right? So last year, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got, I was going to look at his dunks. He actually has, uh, on pace to actually have more dunks this year than he did last year, but playing a lot more minutes. I, I think, uh, and, you know, I he think played you just next see to it stuff, later yeah. in games. You know, yeah. we're talking about, oh, suddenly he's playing 34 minutes and he's taking 20 something shots. And then he's just, you know, he tries to dribble move. I can't do it. Okay, let me take a step back, semi contested, like 27 foot or some of the shot selection, too, at times. Well, yeah. And part of that, though, I mean, 31 usage. Again, like this is not, you look at the players in the NBA who have 31 usage. He's probably the worst player who has that level of usage. You know, maybe I, Bones Highland might be up there for Denver. It's also the kind of an overmatched second unit guard who's being asked to do too much at this point not that Jordan is, is in the same classes and Jordan's way better but uh, I thought the signature kind of moment of this time that was disappointing is end of the game against the Hawks he tries to take Trey Young one-on-one and he couldn't get separation against Trey Young who might be the worst defensive player in the league and he, he just was just didn't have the juice like that's the biggest thing that shows out to me is like he leads the NBA. Was in, that late in double overtime or late in regulation? Uh, I want to say was it late in single overtime. Okay. Um, like so, near, I mean, near the a, left where, elbow. You, know, you mentioned the exhaustion. There's yeah. Some so, I, yeah, I mean, that could be part of it. And he's a guy who works really hard in the offseason. You know, maybe he needs to start resting a, a little bit too. But, yeah, so, like, nobody has more failed isolation dribble attacks than Jordan Poole, I think, in like you know, of all the teams that I watch, it, it, he just tries and tries and just doesn't beat guys. So, uh, I, I mean, he's not having like that terrible of a season. To me, if you just zoom out at the end of the season and you look at the stretch that Steph Curry misses, you know, let's say he only misses this one game on Tuesday, even if they lose it and go six and six over this stretch, like that's. Go back to the beginning of that stretch, like, oh, six and six, you take that. They have they have delivered Steph Curry back a competitive situation. 
And that was the question mark going in. And a lot of that reason is, like, some of his big games. Like, the I thought the the road win they got in Toronto was massive, and that was all him. I mean, he goes, like, 14 to 23, 43 points. So, yeah. like, there are still those type of games in there that a lot of guys – just particularly on this roster, like they're just they don't have anybody else who can do that type of thing. Yeah, I mean it's worth noting too over this stretch that they've been other than that Detroit loss, but they were really down that whole game. Uh, they've had very good performances in close games uh, yeah. uh, during this. Like this stretch could have been a lot worse. Like they haven't really blown anyone out other than Memphis, kind of, which is weird, but. Uh, but they've had some like terrible blowout losses. So this this stretch, they might be lucky to be six and six. Yeah, and and you know you would you would point back to the beginning of the season where they were very you could say unlucky or just bad in clutch time, right? The yeah. loss in Charlotte where they screwed up at the end. The loss uh, in Detroit, they had a loss in Sacramento that wasn't good. The, the Utah blow a four point lead in the last eight seconds, uh, where a pool turnover uh, late in that game. Um, yeah, where where do you feel like things? are heading now right i mean is this like stuff's gonna come back and like everything's everything's gonna be fine like it it, i mean it should be right like you know they've i think they're not gonna be quite as good defensively as they were last year because porter iguodala peyton like those guys made a lot of it you know wiggins has kind of not been the same like you're just they don't have the same juice uh but you know clay has started to find his rhythm compared to the like i mean that's been the biggest story probably of this period with Steph out is that Clay has started to look better now. Hopefully the health will allow it. Draymond Green quietly is having a very good season. Like I think he, no one's talking about it, but he should absolutely be in like that reserve front court discussion in the West for the West All-Star team. And defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, uh, no, I just picked him as defensive player of the year. I don't think it's a particularly strong field this year, but you don't have like that obvious statistical candidate and the Warriors, uh, for all their defensive problems, play at about the level of the best defense in the NBA when Draymond is on the floor. And it's not like he has anywhere near the same amount of talent around him as he did last year. Um, and he was playing at that level last year. So I, there's he certainly has the track record. Uh, yeah, so to your original question, like where yeah. do I think this is going? Um, you know, they had set themselves up going into this most recent two games of like really uh, kind of – gain some momentum as Steph Curry returns to the lineup because you're facing the Pistons and Magic at home. You know, you win those two games, you're 7-0 and on the home stand, you're 22-18. and um, You know, 22-18 and at this point would have them, like, fourth in the West. Uh, so they had it, like, this was kind of a, a missed opportunity for, for them to lose these two most recent games. But the fact that, you know, Wiggins physically is out there again. He would, did not play good tonight, but, you know, he should be on the path back towards being Andrew Wiggins in the next week or two. I mean, you know what kind of shape he historically is in, so he, he'll probably be 35 minutes per game starting next week, essentially. Um, you know, an Iguodala sighting, maybe that helps, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, once you get Steph back, you're talking about a starting lineup that's dominant. Uh, win together, you know, best five-man lineup in the league. DiVincenzo has established himself over the last month as a legitimate seventh man. You know, Poole is a sixth-man-of-the-year type guy. Uh, Kaminga is out of the boot tonight. You know, he's still going to be out a little bit, but I think he, you know, no without Wiggins, I think he established himself over the last month. So I think they found an eight if they're healthy with more trustable options in the 9-10 range when we're talking about Lamb, who I think will eventually be on the roster full-time. Um, you know, Iguodala, 
you, you know, Moses Moody continues to not emerge as you expected. But, you know, at this point, I think you feel okay at 20 and 20 with a strong eight and you're getting closer to feeling better about 9, 10, 11-ish. Maybe you make a move down the line. Um, but then you look around the West, and I think that's part of why you feel okay about them. Because not only standings-wise are they in fine position as long as they're healthy the rest of the season, but even playoff-wise, like who has – like right now the most impressive team in the West is the Denver Nuggets. If they're healthy and going into a series against the Denver Nuggets, like I just like that matchup for them. Memphis is number two in the West. I mean, not to take too much from the Christmas game, but like if, if they're healthy going into a series against Memphis, a lot of people are going to be kind of leaning Warriors just because, you know, until they're proven otherwise. So I mostly just like how it sets up for them because I don't really like the West. Yeah, I think that's true. It's just to make it to the finals, to be a favorite, to make it to the finals – you need to be in a position where you're going to like blow out teams in a series, right? You can't be going seven in the first round without home court advantage. And yeah, even if you're a 60 40 favorite in a given series, that can catch up to you. You get one injury, you're, you're on the road, you go down 2 0, you got to fight back. Like it's so it is important. And thankfully, no one has quite run away yet in their only you know, three games out of home court advantage, and that's Dallas right now. The Clippers just went on a five-game losing streak too, so they're not too scary right now. So I think it is within reach, but they do need to start playing better. I would feel a little bit better about them if they had one more guy that you really trusted to play next to Draymond, right? Because, like, what, what would be the ideal closing lineup? Right now, for these guys, they don't want to play Draymond and Looney together, probably to close most nights. Yeah, um, you know, you thought it could like Pool could become that, right? He's being paid in a way that that yeah. you would think, hey, look, you should be able to close with your you know, hundred and twenty three million dollar guy. Um, but they're they've kind of that line has just proven to be too small, and you'd want a more versatile forward right i mean andre iguodala would be the answer if andre iguodala was like not even just prime andre iguodala i'm talking like three years ago four years ago andre mm-hmm. iguodala i think there's no way you could trust that now so what's a young version of that potentially you know jonathan kaminga like i want to see more from him they have used him to close remember the charlotte game in this yeah. homestand where he makes like five ridiculous plays down the stretch where that look that was like an iguodala type closing sequence from him you i'm not saying you can trust that but you'd love to see 40 more games like you'd love to get him back on the court and just throw him in those units in key moments and just see what he can become because physically that's the profile of a player you would want in that like playoff type closing lineup you just don't know if you can fully trust him in those situations yet what do you think of Kaminga? yeah his individual defense going back to summer league it has been very impressive and I think he is getting a better understanding of like what he needs to do to win basketball games. He's going to periodically get in foul trouble and make mistakes. I mean, it's just asking a lot of a guy, you know, in his age twenty season, to you know be closing games in a high level of playoffs. Right? You're still kind of hoping that he's going to be able to be in the rotation. Maybe he'll give you something some nights. Other nights, it's just not going to be consistent in the playoffs. He still can't shoot at all. I mean, I think. Uh, it worse this year. Yeah, yeah. His and the free throws are a problem. His offensive game has been a disappointment to me so far. I would say, like even like his drive game, 
kind of the only move he has is like get to the front of the rim and then pump fake and try to go up and get fouled. So, I, I, but I mean, I think defensively he can fit in. He's made more plays as a help defender as well. He started to understand, you know, handing off, playing the game, not getting out of the offense and trying to attack. So, I like I think he's definitely playable. I just wish a little more experience and a little more shooting in that position would would be nice. But they kind of played that position by committee last year some as well you know Peyton was probably like their best guy in that slot yeah in the end yeah and the tra- you know you wonder about oh can they get something from the outside you know trade market buyout market I just don't know that there's a good enough player out there that, that they'd be willing to to use and you know the type of chips that would be needed that yeah. could be a closer for them right I do think yeah sure you could go get a a, a veteran a plumley you know you love the plumleys that could like you know fill some backup center minutes maybe ease the burden that Wiseman's at this point been unable to ease Jermichael Green's been unable to ease from Draymond and Looney but if you're talking like a fifth closer I think that's got to come from inside the house and I think the best option or the best the most likely would be you know, Kaminga or somehow they can solve pool as like, like can pool play in like a smaller lineup. I, it probably just depends on matchup. Cause I mean, he's not going to suddenly just start defending at a adequate rate. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, and he just hasn't been good enough offensively this year to make up for him. And the numbers on that three guard lineup uh, have not been very impressive. Yeah. And it also, there's the issue of matching salary, right? If you want to go after, someone who's available to play that kind of stretch four slot. I mean, Wiseman almost certainly has to be in that deal. Um, I mean, maybe they would go DiVincenzo in that spot, potentially. But then again, so, they're really yeah. small. But DiVincenzo at least plays big. Yeah, I mean, that's. I'm glad you mentioned him because he has, like, raised his hand a little bit recently. Is like, you know... How about him? Uh, he would. I mentioned Kaminga's great closing sequence against um, the Hornets. Well, DiVincenzo had one against Portland. You know, he strips Lillard in ISO. I think you maybe use him in a, in a really small game where you are playing like a yeah. Portland type, you know. But he's he's very trusted by the veterans. He has a winning mindset, right? He, You know, you trust him in a playoff environment. He's won national titles. He was on the, the Bucks team that won 60-something games, eventually won the title even though he didn't play in the finals. Um, so yeah, he's an option, but again, like you said, that's that's small. You want a bigger forward, and that to me, that's either Andre Iguodala surprisingly turns back the clock, or Jonathan Kaminga fast forward the clock. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, to get you know, they have the ammo in theory in terms of draft picks. If they really wanted to go get someone, you know, the price for Jeremy Grant was not like a a huge one. You know, I mean, maybe Wiseman could start playing better that he would have some some value maybe there's a team that would be interested in moody but it would have to be a guy who's like you know a starting level like better even than like you know a jay crotter type like someone who actually really fits in at at that position and yeah i'm not sure who that would be and it's not like i don't expect them to like unload the cupboard either i mean like any conversation i have like i'm not expecting some big deadline swing even like getting rid of wiseman i think considering where his value's at i just that's hard for me to see at this point. Yeah, you know, and I wouldn't see them going for like you know a Boyan Bogdanovich, right? That's a name that maybe could be available. That's but also at age thirty four. Well, not only yeah. that, like that's committed money for beyond the season when yeah. <laughs> they're already dealing with a, like somewhat of a crunch where they're trying to figure that out. Where suddenly adding like a guy who's twenty plus next season, I'm not sure Joe Lacob has the appetite for that right now. No, probably not. Even if it, Wiseman were in the deal. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it is going to just have to kind of be this group. But I, you know, the thing, the the biggest thing that is kind of bothered me about this Warriors is like I think they're going to be fine offense. Like as long as Steph plays the way that he played when he was healthy this year, and like Clay is coming on now, like Poole's a guy you have to guard. Like that, they should do a nut. Wiggins will have his moments. Like Draymond holds it all together. They should be able to do enough offensively. I think as long as Steph is that guy. It's just we haven't seen this team play really like Warriors level at defense for any type of extended period this season. Yeah, no, I agree. Nobody in the league really is. Who, who's who's won? Who's the best defense in the league now? I know Cleveland was, but I think that just changed. The uh, Memphis Grizzlies are, well, at least per Clean the Glass, which I use that filters out garbage time. The Memphis Grizzlies, since Jaron Jackson came back, they've been ridiculous on defense. Yeah, all right. Well, that's a, a West rival of the Warriors. All right, anything else before I get us out of here? Um, oh, Kevon Looney. Oh, yes, a K- Kevon <laughs> Looney. What, let, can you pull up Kevon Looney's game log? Uh, I saw a stat tonight. Kevon Looney, oh I believe, God. has 29 offensive rebounds the last four games. Let's, let's, let's confirm this. Let's confirm the game log. It's, but It's not seared in our memories by Warriors. How many did he have Warriors tonight? Warriors PR, yeah. Seven defensive rebounds, five offensive rebounds tonight. Uh, yeah, let's see what we got here. So we'll go to his game log. All right, all right. It's making me do this under pressure here. Ah, uh, that doesn't. Okay. No, but it's yeah. This one doesn't have his gotta, last five go is basketball. 12, 11, 20, 15, and twelve. Just total rebounds. But from what I've heard, his last four games is the most offensive rebounds cumulatively in Warriors history since. 2004, Eric Dampier. That's Eric, a lot of offensive rebounds. Eric Dampier got himself paid off of, off of that season, I it believe. It might have been off that, that sequence of games where he just, like, gobbled up every offensive rebound. But, nah. Five, five tonight, and then, yeah, here, if, if you must have the game log, we can get it for you. This yeah. is a riveting close to the podcast. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why we do it at the end. People can just turn it off uh, if they want to here. So, yeah, we got... Uh, yeah, previous games. 8, 10, 6, and 5 tonight. Do the, the, the quick math for me. We're talking 24 plus 5, 29 offensive rebounds in the last four games. That is a ton. Yeah, no, he, he's been fantastic. And especially when teams go small, he's able to track down those boards. So, yeah, been pretty impressive. Shades of Eric Dampier. All right, we will uh, kick it to later this week. The, the Warriors' next game is against Phoenix to close out the home stand. The struggling Suns. It's going to be kind of an interesting matchup between two like you know theoretical west contenders on tuesday that are banged up and really you know limping into the game so we will talk to you then